Have you ever thought about what will happen when you die? Do you imagine a funeral with friends and family? A fancy coffin? Maybe cremation? Are you donating your body to science to help young doctors learn? Do you ever wonder if the makeup artist will get your face just right, or worry that you might end up spending eternity looking like a calm and peaceful person that you know you never were? There are so many decisions to make regarding your own death. But what if they never find your body at all? My name is Brianne, and I'm the host and creator of Among the Dirt and Trees, a show where we explore true crime cases that occur out in nature. In today's episode, we're going to talk about an unsolved murder from 1946 involving a Jane Doe, or at least what was left of her. Before we jump into today's episode, I want to issue a correction for last week's episode in case some of you didn't see it. Last week, I suggested that everyone should check out A Good Marriage, which I believed was the story behind the movie 1922. If you're a diehard Stephen King fan, you probably know that this isn't the case. At this point, I have to make a confession that might very well rattle the readers in my audience. I am an ebook reader. Yes, I admit it. No, it isn't because I hate books or don't absolutely love the smell of them, of course I do. I just grew up in a world where I had to always keep a second book on me in case I finished the first one wherever I was. As far as I'm concerned, a device that can hold thousands of books is nothing short of magic, and I wouldn't trade my Kindle Paperwhite for anything. But, with that being said, last week, it did me dirty. When I borrowed a good marriage using the Libby app, I didn't realize that I was receiving a good marriage with the bonus story, 1922. Apparently, when I started reading, my Kindle decided that a good marriage wasn't good enough and it jumped straight to 1922. And now, maybe you're thinking, well, how did you not notice that? Didn't the read time feel off? Fair question. I'm sure it would have, if not for the fact that 1922 was over 60% of the entire book. Anyway, check out 1922 in all of its mediums, and I'm now reading A Good Marriage, which is definitely the perfect book for true crime fans from what I can tell so far. Now, let's get back to that Jane Doe. It was April of 1946 in Oregon when three individuals were walking near the Willamette River. They were out for a nice stroll when they saw a burlap sack floating on the water. And straight out of the gate, this case just gets weird. The individuals in question decided to fish the bag out of the water, which, for starters, why? At first, I thought, maybe they were just trying to do their part to keep the river clean. People can be nice, right? Well, the truth is that people are awful. The good news, these people weren't. At least, I don't think. The reason that they paused to pull out the bag was because they believed that it might be a bag of drowned kittens. 
Humans are awful, and this is something that does happen from time to time. At this point, I have to assume that this happened with such regularity around these parts that this seemed like a perfectly logical conclusion to draw. So, that's so much worse. But, when they opened the sack, to the relief of all, they did not find a sack full of drowned kittens. What they found instead was a human torso. I really feel for these people because I can't imagine the shock of expecting something as terrible as dead kittens and then realizing that the truth is in some ways so much worse and gruesome. But they kept their wits about them and they called police. An investigation began. Police obviously wanted to know who this torso belonged to, and they had some questions about where the rest of the woman was as well. They could at least identify that it was a woman. To their dismay, they learned the answers to that last question. Over the next couple of days, more body parts showed up on the river. First, her head, and then all of her limbs. This Jane Doe was obviously a victim of a horrible crime. After some investigation, they came to the conclusion that this particular Jane Doe had died from blunt force trauma to the head. That was disturbing enough, but it was the subsequent actions of the killer that really gave police reason for pause. Obviously, this woman did not put her own body parts in separate bags. The killer did it, and they did it strategically and with remarkable precision. Not only was a saw used to dismember her, but the killer seemed like they knew what they were doing. Either they had extensive knowledge of the human anatomy, or they had done this before. So, yeah, police were pretty worried about that. After police managed to collect the remaining pieces of the victim and, for lack of a better word, assemble her, they were able to learn more about her. Initially, she was believed to be a teen girl. She was estimated at 5'2 to 5'4 and weighed between 115 and 125 pounds. Now, for me, this is one part of true crime that always gets me, and you guys need to tell me if you do this too. Anytime that I cover a case or just learn about one with a victim that has any of my shared characteristics, I automatically get this deep dread oh no feeling. Like, I'm an obvious next victim of a killer from a case that is literally decades old. But in my defense, copycat killers are a thing. And as far as builds go, I'm not really bringing much to the fight here. I'm basically relying on paranoia and pepper spray to keep me safe, you know? So, you guys just need to tell me if it freaks you out when you learn that there is something about them that lines up with you, it always gets me. 
After some time, it was concluded that the victim was more likely in her 40s or 50s. Police found what they believed to be her clothes floating in the river. And then they found more of her clothes floating in a totally different river. But after that, they were pretty much at a loss. With old cases like this, it's easy to look back and think, well, that's it. Even though we are seeing more DNA evidence come through, it isn't exactly guaranteed at this point. Still, against all odds, this case was officially reopened in 2004. I think it's pretty amazing that we do go back and explore older cases to see if we can find the answers that surround them. But in this case, I'm really not quite sure what they expect, and I'll explain why. See, this case was certainly worth investigating. It's a unique case. It's a disturbing case. But there's one pretty big issue with reopening this case. Back in the 50s, police actually lost all of the evidence for it. The Jane Doe's body just up and disappeared, and so did everything else that they had. If you're thinking, well, that's pretty suspicious, just know that I definitely agree. How did the police just misplace an entire body, or at least, you know, any samples of it that they could have kept? And how did they lose all of the evidence? Who was responsible for filing these things away, and is there more to the story here? Did this Jane Doe wrong someone that was connected to the police? Did they make her and all of the evidence vanish so they wouldn't be found out later? Now, I'm sure this isn't the only time that evidence has been lost, which isn't comforting, but in this case, it seems extra weird. And with the evidence missing, why would the police be interested in reopening the case? Well, the main theory surrounding this case can actually explain all of that. Over the years, various crime experts have speculated about this case, and one crime-writing duo had a pretty specific theory. They believed that the Jane Doe was a woman known as Anna Schrader. Anna Schrader was a woman who was married, and she was playing a dangerous game in the 1940s. Despite her wedding vows, she was allegedly having an affair. With this new development, you might assume that her husband killed her, and there's no reason to rule out that possibility. Anna Schrader did disappear, and a lot of the time in a case like this, it's the husband. But if it isn't the husband, there is always the chance that it is the other lover. In this case, Anna Schrader's lover was certainly a man that most of us would think twice before wronging. The man in question was William Bruning, a married man. But 
Bruning wasn't just married. He was also a police lieutenant. And that wasn't all. The two already had a physical altercation, one where Anna was very badly injured, and their affair ended up all over the local news. Anna had big plans to leave the state after all of that, but there's no record that she ever did. She just disappeared. With a Jane Doe, it can be nearly impossible to learn the details behind the case. Without the identity of the victim, it's hard to know what really happened. It makes it difficult to understand motive, and it makes it increasingly difficult to identify a killer, particularly if there aren't any witnesses. While it's possible that Anna Schrader is this particular Jane Doe, the truth is that this is just a theory that came out because of another story at the time. Maybe it was driven by rumors after a police lieutenant had a torrid affair. Or maybe William Bruning killed her and then convinced his police buddies to destroy the evidence. We may never know. Speaking of cases without conclusions, I do have an announcement to make. Be on the lookout for the new true crime show that I'm hosting with my producer, John, called What Happened To, where we will cover bizarre missing persons cases with some pretty shady details. We've got some really great cases coming up, and I can't wait to hear what you think of it. And of course, if you want to talk Jane Doe's, scandalous affairs, or the unique sensation of cutting into a human body, feel free to contact me on Twitter or Instagram using the tag at datpod. Thanks, guys. <laughs>